0: I want to get straight off into our message this morning. Um, when I was a young boy, <clears throat> my summers were spent uh, with all of my cousins. There was a whole herd of us. I mean, we were just all we all lived next to each other, and and we ran the neighborhood. We were like the local villains, and and uh, not that you should do that if there's any young folks in here. That's bad. <clears throat> but uh, we 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 were rambunctious. We were full of energy and everything else. And our aunts. Uh, didn't know what to do with us and so they they did the best they could they didn't have a lot of money so they took us places that were free come on somebody you know what I'm talking about and uh they took us one year to this place somewhere I can't remember where it's at but it's somewhere between Franklin and Houma there was this little section of like it was like a bayou slash creek it was real wide but it wasn't very deep like a like a bayou it was kind of shallow and people would go there. There was a lot of shade trees, and it was kind of sandy at this one spot. And, and we would go there, and we would, they, they'd take a swim in it. And I'll never forget the first time we went, uh, we got there, and there was a whole bunch of us. And one of my relatives, a distant cousin, saw that there was a log that fell across the bayou, a tree. And without even asking, this is our first time there, he runs, jumps on the log, runs out to the middle of it, and just dives off into the water. And it it got funny real quick because when he dove off, he thought the water was deep, but it was only a foot or two deep. And all we saw is after he dove is his legs were sticking up like this. And so we're laughing, but then all of a sudden he quit moving. And then my aunt and them ran in. They drug him out to the bank and they checked him out and he was crying. And we were like, we felt silly for laughing at him until eventually the ambulance came and they had to haul him off. He spent the rest of his life, Suffering with spinal issues because he dove off into water and he didn't know how deep it was. So the lesson of the day was always check the water before you jump in. <laughs> if that's all you get today, you're welcome. <clears throat> Over the years as a Christian and as a pastor, I've talked to many other Christians and believers about going deep. And, and, and many people love to go deep. You know what I'm talking about when I say, when I put my fingers up, you know, parentheses, go deep. And and a lot of people like to go deep. I like to go deep. I like to go deep and discover things from the Bible. I love fresh revelations from the Bible. I love to go deep in, in the Holy Spirit and sense and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love, one of my favorite things is to get deep revelation from life experiences, like to walk through something and realize that God is with me and then when I come out of it, I get this brand new revelation. That's the coolest stuff ever, right? But I've known people in an attempt to go deep, they've gone deep but never came back. I know people that have gone deep in the name of going deep and they're not even serving Jesus anymore. And so I want to take this message today, which is titled The Deep End, and I want to show us how to go deep. You want to go deep? Let's go deep, but let's go deep on the deep end. We don't need any spinal injuries. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so if you're ready, let's jump in. We're going to be in John chapter 15 for the whole message, and, and I'm going to interject two other, other verses from some different places, and I'm going to show you what Jesus taught his disciples, and we're going to go deep. So take the floaties off. (laughs) You know the little arm floaties? Yeah. John 15, starting in verse 5. Jesus is speaking. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. I want to give you three thoughts, three things that I believe God is speaking to us today from, from this portion of Jesus' teaching. The first thing I notice is Jesus is teaching us to stay put. Look at your neighbor and just, just tell him, just stay put. Like, just stay. <laughs> don't run, just stay. Stay put, don't move, don't run. Let's break it down for a minute. Verse 5, he says, yes, I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. We only produce fruit when we're connected with Jesus. When we decide to remain with Jesus is when we produce fruit. Apart from Jesus, you can produce nothing, right? Okay, so he says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. We're going to come back to that one because that one's crazy. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples, this brings great glory to my Father. So there's two main words that that are used in different translations to to describe stay, to describe what Jesus is saying. It's the two words you can look through many different translations, you'll usually find these two words. It's the word abide and the word remain you see those words all the time. So if you take the word abide and you, and you, you dig into it in the Greek and you, you start to get some, some, some words that are used to describe abide because abide is not a word that we commonly use, right? So we need to understand what abide means because Jesus says everything that he's teaching is about us abiding. So we need to understand what abide means. Abide means to remain, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to stand, and to tarry. That's what the word abide means. And so all of us, every single one of us in this room has struggled at times to abide, amen? Would you agree? Every single one of us has been tempted to no longer abide or no longer remain with Jesus. And, and there's, there's a word for that, it's, 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 it's the antonyms to abide. And I wanna show you some of those because you may relate to some of these words So so the opposite of abide is to bail, bail out, bug out, buzz off, clear off, clear out, cut out, depart, exit, go off, leave, pack up, walk out. You ever use those expressions? (laughs) You ever just been like, I'm done? You ever just go off? You don't have to show your hands. That's okay. It's all right. We're in church. Jesus will still forgive you. Although each of us are different in our personalities and we're different people and we come from different experiences, we all have some very specific things that cause us to pack up, bug out, buzz off, and walk out. Would you agree? There are certain things that, that when they happen to you, they cause you to want to throw in the towel. And don't be naive and think that the enemy doesn't know what that is. Because he's good at touching your bobo. Come on, somebody. Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Trying to get you to no longer abide but depart. Why? So that your life will no longer produce fruit. Mm. You see it? So Jesus is asking a question today. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you don't get what you want? What are you going to do when someone gets sick? What are you going to do when you suffer loss? What are you going to do when it, whatever that thing is, happens again? What are you going to do if they don't change fast enough? What are you going to do? That's the question he's asking every one of us today. What are you going to do when all of hell breaks loose against you? What are you going to do? Are you going to stay or are you going to go? Jesus, I believe, and I'm I'm, going to say this kind of prophetically today. I believe Jesus is saying to each one of us today, stay with me. Endure with me. Be present with me. Stand with me. Continue with me. Don't go off by yourself. Stay with me. It's an invitation. If you're struggling, struggle with me. Yes. Don't struggle by yourself. Struggle with me. Yes. If you have to endure something, then endure it with me. You don't have to go off and do it by yourself. Amen? Yes. Now, Jesus takes three verses, and he, he gives us what I call Benefits of abiding. There's benefits. Do you know we serve a benefiting God? Like he benefits our life. Like you get better looking when you become a Christian. You look slimmer. Come on, somebody. Like you get some color in your face. Your hair looks better. Life. Benefit. Four benefits that, that I see in these this portion of scripture Number one, he says, when you remain in him and he remains in you, you will produce much fruit. Yes. Wow. That means your life is going to be tasteful. That means your life is going to give nourishment to people around you. That means your life is going to mean something. That means that you're going to walk through this life, and at the end of it, people are going to be glad they knew you. Yeah. Much fruit. Not, not little fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. The second benefit we get <laughs> is you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted to you. This one trips me out. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of get this genie in the bottle feeling when I read that. Like you can ask for whatever you want, and poof, it's going to be done for you. Almost like you can go rub Jesus on the head and go give me joy, and poof, you get joy. Doesn't it kind of almost sound, am I, am I just weird? Okay. How can Jesus make such a crazy statement like that? Because don't he know we all a little bit twisted? Don't he know we all like ourselves a whole lot? Don't he know we're going to ask for <laughs> meat? <laughs> right? How can he make this kind of a statement? Could it be that Jesus has more confidence in the relationship than we do? Could it be that his confidence and the way he can make that kind of a statement is because he knows that if we'll remain in him and his words remain in us, we ain't going to ask for nothing rogue. We're going to ask for kingdom stuff. We're going to ask for stuff that's going to bring glory to his name and not my name. We're not going to go off the rails. We're going to stay put and we're going to do good, right? We're going to ask for the right things. We're going to pursue him for the right things and for the right reasons. He's confident that if we'll remain in him and his words remain in us, we're not going rogue. We're not asking for Cadillacs, pink ones. In the name of Jesus, what is that? The third benefit we see is that that when much fruit is produced in your life, It is actually the qualifier for you being a true disciple. Listen to the words he uses. A true disciple. Jesus told his disciples way back in the day, he said, listen, you can't judge people, but you can can test and see who's who's who. Like, Like, you'll know who's following me if you'll look at their what? Fruit. Wow. Real fruit means real disciple. You can't can't help when you follow Jesus and you give yourself to Jesus that all of a sudden you get a little fruity. (laughs) You start to produce some things that you didn't have before, right? (laughs) Don't fall in love with what somebody knows. Fall in love with what somebody's producing. (laughs) Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit. Fruit. What does the world around us need right now? Fruit. Good fruit. Not spoiled fruit. Amen? Not contaminated fruit. Not fake fruit. You'll be a true disciple. The fourth thing, that, the fourth benefit we get, watch this. He says this, you will bring great glory to God. Now, now, you may not think that's a big deal, but listen to me. Let me invite you into a little bit of understanding. Like God's going to use me, Jamie Tyler. Do y'all know the Tylers? Like God's going to use Jamie Tyler from Franklin, Louisiana. Do you even know where Franklin is? To bring glory to himself? God would use me to bring glory to himself. Oh, my goodness, it's a benefit. Why? Because if my life's bringing glory to God, then that means I'm all up in God's Kool-Aid. Right? That means me and God are in the same mix. I'm right there where he's at. We're where the action is, right? Right? God would use me to bring glory to Himself. My life would be a reflection of His. Two weeks ago, I preached a message called "Hanging Out at Funerals," and I talked about what the end of your life looks like. I told the first service, I said, "I can see when I my my goal is when I get to heaven, like I'm gonna have a reputation." Bro, that's Pastor Jamie. He's from Eunice. That dude, bro, that dude's amazing, man. Like all my kinfolk are here because of him. That dude's crazy. Bro, did you hear about Pastor? That's Pastor Jamie. Do you even think about what it's going to be like when you get to heaven? Are you still stuck on bayous of Bluebell? I'm sorry. I led you astray. But like God would use my life to bring glory to himself. I'm just an old podunk boy from Franklin, Louisiana. I had to beg to get out of high school. Literally. Benefits. So what happens if we bail out? It's a good question. Jesus speaks to it. I think if he didn't think we would bail out, he wouldn't warn us not to bail out. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) What happens if I bail out? Well, the end of verse 5 and verse 6 tells us exactly what's going to happen if we bail out. It says this, "For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Now, that doesn't mean nothing across the board, like all of a sudden you become paralyzed. It means this, you can do nothing to advance the kingdom of God. You can do nothing for eternity. You'll do plenty. You'll do plenty of work, mundane things, same old same things. You'll have to put up with this world. You're going to do plenty, but you ain't going to do anything that that counts in eternity. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at what he says in verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away. Watch this, like a useless branch and withers such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. We bought a house in Jennings over 20 years ago when God moved us from Franklin to Jennings. And we bought this house. It was a nice house in a, in a nice little neighborhood. And it had the reason I, we wanted the house, it was big enough, but it had two massive live oak trees in the front. I mean massive. And, and the previous owners never trimmed them. And I don't know if you're like me, but that, that bugs me. Because I remember we got the appraisal and the first picture of the front of the house, you can't even see the house. It's just branches everywhere. So, as soon as I could, I got the chainsaw and I went to cutting branches. Come on, somebody. You got to kill that devil. That devil that slaps you in the head every time you cutting grass, right? I killed it, I, I trimmed them all up to my height. I'm not going to go there. I trimmed them out. I had a big old pile of branches. I took those branches. I put them on a big old trailer. I had, to, I had such a big pile of branches. I had to jump on top and, and bounce on them. You ever have to do that? Like if I got to bounce on them, they need to be pushed down. Right? And I strapped them down. This was on a Saturday, so they had to sit in my driveway till Monday, and that bugged me too. So every day, I'm walking by these branches. And after I cut them down, they stayed green. They didn't all of a sudden turn brown and the leaves fall off. In fact, they stayed green until I went to the dump and even all the way to the dump, most of the leaves hung on to the dump and then at the dump they still stayed there for a couple more weeks with the leaves on them. Why are you telling me this Pastor Jamie? Because sometimes if you're not careful, you'll disconnect from God and your life will start to wither and even though it still looks green, even though you're still hanging on, it doesn't mean that you've not disconnected. Because how many of you know, when I pull away from God, when I let the circumstances of life cause me to distance myself from Jesus, when I let offenses, frustrations, hurts, worries, fears, pull me away from Jesus, I don't get better. I don't get better. What do I get? Bitter. I wither. And though I'm green for a couple days... Sooner or later, if nothing changes, leaves fall off, gathered into a pile to be burned. You see what Jesus is saying? He warns us. The greatest proof of abiding with Jesus is much fruit. Look in the mirror. Examine your own life. When's the last time some new fruit popped out in your life? When's the last time your patience grew? When's the last time your joy increased? When's the last time long suffering got better? Come on, somebody. (laughs) So Jesus says to stay put. The second thing I hear him saying is, Let me love you. (laughs) Just let me love you. And most of us will say, okay, that sounds good. Love me. Here I am. Love me. He's going, no, you're not letting me. But yeah, I said you could love me. You know, I know what you said, but you're not letting me love you. Let me love you. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy huh, will overflow. We should be joyful people. Overflowing with joy. Not Boudean. Come on. I didn't say Boudin. I said Boudean. Jesus is loving us just like his father has loved him. And he's given us an invitation to remain in his love, to stay in his love. We don't have to depart. We don't have to step outside of. We don't have to run away from his love for us. But you gotta understand that Jesus is connecting obedience to his commands with experiencing his love. You see what he's doing here? Now, now pay attention because... We're not in the kiddie pool anymore. Y'all want to go deep. Let's go deep. He, he's connecting obey my commandments to remain in my love. You see how he's, he's putting the two together? Can I explain to you what that looks like? This is what it looks like. So as I obey his commands, I remain in his love. You see it? So as we obey his commands, we experience his love. You see the correlation? One leads to the other, and that one leads back to the one. Okay, think about a snowball for a second. It starts small, but as it goes, it builds, right? And it builds, and it builds, and it builds. So watch this. One act of obedience leads to one experience of God's love. That experience of God's love leads to another act of obedience. That next act of obedience leads to more experience of God's love. More experience of God's love leads to more acts of obedience, leads to more experience of love, leads to more acts of obedience, leads to more spiritual. Are you seeing it? You see how it works? But why do we have an issue obeying his commandments? Because you're relating God to the people that were in charge of you. You see, I love when my kids are living in the house. I don't want them to move out because when they move out, I got to take the garbage out, right? I give them commands, clean your room. If they move out, somebody else got to clean the room, right? Now, I love them and I'm I, I running under the banner of teaching them how to work. <laughs> I'm running out of that. <laughs> but, but, but if we're not careful, we see the commandments of God as like God's trying to just get something from me. No, commandments are designed to reveal love. They're designed to reveal love because when you do what he says, the old you dies and the new you comes to life. But we don't like the dying process. It gets better and better, deeper and deeper. This is spiritual growth, y'all. This is going deep, y'all. So we're always, every one of us is is always one act of obedience away from experiencing more of God's great love for us. So so those days when you feel like nobody loves me, nobody, nobody cares, do what God says and experience his love because God always loves you. So commandments are designed to reveal love. So why, why is this love so important? Just in case somebody asks that question, uh, I got a verse for you. Why is God's love so important? Like, like why, why is this love thing, like, what's all that about? I think the reason anybody would ask that question or wonder that question is because love has become so cheapened today. I mean, love's like a disposable razor. Right? Use it and throw it away. We've, as a society, we've lost the value of love, of real love, of genuine love. So now because love has become so cheap, we have a hard time receiving love from the God the Father, and we, we don't even want it because we're like, it's just love. Love's, love's the same everywhere you go. No, it's not. Nobody can ever love you like God does. Ever. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. But there's more. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand here it is this is why it's so important then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power watch this that comes from god why is god's love so power powerful why is it so important because without it you're incomplete You're living in the fullness of something, but it ain't from God. <laughs> you heard that? You're living in power, but it ain't God's power. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life. How many of you want some fullness of life? You want to live life to its fullest. It's not about jumping off a mountain with a little bitty parachute. That's not living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest is receiving this incredible love of God and then turning around and giving it away to people that even they don't think they deserve it. So number one, stay put. Number two, let me love you. Number three, super deep, y'all, deep. Deep in, 12 foot deep. Now love each other the same way. I love it. Verse 12. You ready for that commandment? (laughs) This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Watch this. You can only give away what you've received and experienced. If you've not let God love you like he says then you have nothing to give away. You're living empty-handed. Number one, you haven't experienced it. Number number two, you haven't received it. And now you can't give anybody anything that's worth anything because you don't have anything. I've I've learned how to love others by evaluating how God loves me. I learned this from parenting. Parenting. I freaked out when we had our first kid because I was like, I didn't have an example. My dad wasn't there. I was like, God, you got to help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And he told me this. He said, Just do to them what I do to you. Now, I went outside of that a bunch and had to come back in and fix it. But anyway, Uh, so I learned how to pay attention to how God treats me. So when I'm mean, God corrects me, he doesn't beat me. When I'm being stubborn to change, he doesn't throw his hands up, walk out of my life and say, well, good luck. No, instead, he consistently and encouragingly, he encourages me to change. Consistently, lovingly encourages me to change. God's been dealing with me for a long time. He didn't just throw his hands up and walk out on me the first time I was stubborn. He's been consistent in my life, encouraging me to change, walking with me through my stubbornness. When I get my feelings hurt, he doesn't come running up, suck it up. He doesn't say that to me. You know what he does? He comes alongside of me. He sits down. He says, tell me what's going on. And he listens to me puts his arm around me, and he loves me. So when I started paying attention to how he loves me, I started to learn how I should love other people. So now when somebody is mean, I come alongside of them and encourage them. I'm patient with them, right? when somebody's being stubborn to change, I lovingly, consistently encourage them to change. When others get their feelings hurt, I'm learning to sit next to them, put my arm around them, listen to them, and love on them. Are you seeing it? But I first have to evaluate how he's loving me. Which means this, you gotta think. You gotta think about how you've experienced his love, because we've all been a Kuyon before, right? And he's dealt with us a certain way, right? Okay, how did he deal with you? However, he dealt with you, that's how he expects you to deal with somebody else. Can it be that simple? Can it be that practical? Can it be that deep? Y'all looking at me like I'm Kani or something. <laughs> Evaluate how God has loved you in the past and give that same, way, that same love away to others today. Just start today. Because what's the commandment? Love each other the same way I've loved you. Remember, obey what he says, experience his love. Obey what he says, experience his love. Obey what he says, experience his love. Love others the way he's loved you, you'll experience more love. Because this is the thing that blows my mind. When I can be patient with somebody else who acts just like me, I go, oh my God, he's changed me. It's a miracle. I don't need you to look at my life and say, it's a miracle. I know it's a miracle. But to be used by God to become an agent of change in somebody else's life is one of the most fulfilling and rewarding things there ever is. <sighs> but the Lord told me something Thursday when I was writing this message. He said, you need to write this. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you what he said. He said, some of you are hitting a roadblock. Some of you have all of a sudden come to an impasse in this message. You've come to a spot where you've gone, I can't go any further. He told me there would be people in the room like that. And he said, the reason you're like that is because you've always felt like you don't belong. You ever get invited somewheres by somebody? And then when you got there, you're kind of like, I don't know if I belong here. Anybody ever have that? Like I've been invited to things by a friend, but like the person that was throwing the party didn't invite me. You know, I got got invited by association. And then when I got there, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Some of you feel that way with God, with his family, with the kingdom, with eternity. You feel like you don't belong. And it's a roadblock. It's a roadblock because as long as you feel like you don't belong, you'll never belong. Let me let Jesus' words wash over you. Verse 15, he says two statements, and I'm I'm just going to read the statements, not the whole verse. And then in verse 16, he says something else that I believe is going to tear down some strongholds this morning. Number one, in verse 15, he says, I no longer call you slaves. Now you are my friends. In other words, you don't work for me, you're with me. Mm. <laughs> you're not on a payroll, you're in the house. You're not a slave, you're a friend. You see the transition? You see how he sees the transition? You see how he sees the relationship? When you gave your life to Jesus, you went from being an enemy to a friend. Oh my God, can you wrap your brain around that? Because some of us are still feeling like we're enemies of God, and you're not. He made the transition, but you didn't. And so now you're in the kingdom of God, but you're acting like a slave. and you can't experience his love. You can't have fun with his family. You can't get outside of yourself because you're wrapped up because you still think you're a slave. And he says, you're my friends. You're my friends. Then verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Like you weren't looking for me. I found you. Like you didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I need Jesus. You didn't do that. What he did is he called your name. He moved heaven and earth aside. He caused men and women to pop up in your life to influence you influence you, and pop seeds into the soil of your heart. He moved mountains to get to you so that you would stand before him one day and make a decision of whether or not you want to follow him or not. That's what he did, but he chose you. You didn't choose him. That means this, that he went after you before you ever knew who he was. I was reminded the prodigal son never made it home. He never made it home. He never made it home before the father met him. Why? Because the father was looking for him. And what he did when he saw him coming down the road, he ran and met him at the street. You didn't choose me, I chose you. We We gotta let the slave die. Dear God, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're his friend now. You're his friend now. There's nothing else you can do to change that. You went from enemy to friend, from slave to friend. You're welcomed. You belong. You have a seat at his table. Come on, you got refrigerator rights. You can bus up into the kingdom. I need some of this. Jesus said that earlier. Only after you receive can you freely give away. And I believe this to be true that when you really receive and experience the love of God, you almost have to give it away. You can't contain it. You can't be selfish with it. You got to give it away and I know this much to be true too, if I needed it so bad, then surely there's others around me that need it too. You don't even have to ask God for them. If they're in your, if they're in your reach, if they're in your life at any degree, they're there to receive something from you. You don't need to wonder anymore. Let me ask you a question. All the problems we're facing as a society today. Is this not the solution to the problem? The, the solution is not another president. The solution is not more reform. The solution is the love of God. That breaks barriers. That causes men to go back to wanting to be men again. Amen? Amen? Paul gives us this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. He says this, three things. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. They will last forever. And the greatest of these is love. It's a question for you. You want to go deep? I want to go deep. I love to go deep. But deep doesn't need to be past this. How about we go deep into God's love and then turn around and give that away to anybody we come around. Amen? That's deep. Because I want to leave you with this. Deep is not what you put in your head. Deep is what passes through your life that's deep. It's not what you put in your head. It's what you allow God to pass through your life. That's deep. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message today. We thank you for your Jesus, thank you for laying this out to us to stay put, to let you love us and to turn around and love others, God. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. If we'll simply do that, we'll see the world around us change and transform. We'll see glory given to your name and your kingdom. God, use us. Use us, God, to display to the world your great love, how deep, how wide, how long and how high it is. God, the love of God would begin to go and break chains in people's lives, break bondages and strongholds. First, we have to be recipients of your love. Help us. Pour it out on us today, God. Maybe our first act of obedience was surrendering our lives to you. Maybe the first act we ever made was was just going, Jesus, I surrender. And then we experience your love. Then we can turn around and give that away. Help us to be snowballs, Lord. This whole thing just builds. Just builds and builds. here today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you took a real evaluation of your life today, maybe you would say, I don't know if I've made that first decision. The Bible says you can make that decision today. You can surrender today. Your first act of obedience can be right now. in your life to Jesus before. If that's you, nobody's looking around, just simply raise your hand real quick if you're in this room. Good, Let me ask you another question. Maybe you find yourself today disconnected. You let life circumstances, disappointments, hurts, fear, draw you away. will not you be honest with yourself. Nobody's looking around. If that's you, you want to reconnect, you want to abide again with Jesus. You Let's pray this together this morning. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I've fallen short. I realize that I'm not abiding. still believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough to forgive my sins. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and that Jesus is sitting next to you, Lord.